Hello ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Acting Inspired with me, Lewis Goody. I feel like I have mastered that, in- I could do it exactly the same ten times in a row. Uh, anyway, welcome to another episode of Acting Inspired with me, Lewis Goody. Today, I have another guest, ladies and gents. Um, But today, my guest is uh, a fascinating dude. He went to Guildhall back in the Dizzy. He went to Guildhall back in 1993, in the early 90s. And speaking to Ken last week, episode 100, dude, um, Ken said that I should speak to this guy, Andrew Rajan. So I did. And I'm glad I did, because he is an incredibly inspiring dude. This man has always wanted to be an actor, always wanted to be a performer, and you'll hear all this in much more detail, but um, he didn't go down that route. He instead went down the route of uh, an apprenticeship uh, in engineering, I think it was. Yes, so uh, mechanical and production engineering. Um before he got to to actually go into drama school um auditioned for drama school one year didn't get didn't get anywhere with that that first year round but then in the break went off and set up a theater company and went to edinburgh and was writing and directing i mean it's amazing. and then he went to drama school and then he got in and, and went and smashed it as he came out of drama school at the other end and then the reality of the real world kicks in, as it does. And that brings up various things for Andrew, uh, who is probably best, it's, it's probably best to just let you hear him talk about that. But it's it's amazing, another curious and motivated person who is constantly learning and constantly saying yes, being a yes man, saying yes to everything, trying everything, trying to um progress or what's I use that word too often what's the word I'm looking for? trying to like grow with and learn what's the word can't think today just trying to get better at things and through that he is he has you know been an actor not only been an actor he's been a filmmaker he went to film school after that is another amazing thing um, to study screenwriting, I believe it was. He's completed stage plays, written stage plays. He has written and put on or written and put together shorts. He's written and put together fe- full feature films. He is working on a film at the moment. He's had some involvement in documentaries. He's, you know, he like, it's just amazing. The, the, amount uh there's just the sheer amount of stuff he's doing he's got two novels he's got one coming out very soon and stay tuned to the end and find out how you can grab a copy of his latest novel which doesn't actually come out until the end of july but um he just gave me a copy of it today i'm gonna get through it and then i'm gonna do some sort of giveaway again i like these book giveaway things it's good fun Slightly different book to the last one, but still, as we have been learning, it's good to be learning anything and taking in anything, 
and just being curious about every anyway I'll say no more and let the man speak for himself so ladies and gents I present to you Andrew Rajan take a trip on the canal if you want to have fun So, hello, Andrew. Hello. Uh, hello, Lewis. Thank Very you nice so much you. For, for coming down to, to do this with me today. It's a sunny Chiswick. Yeah, I know, right? It's, the, it's a bit cloudy It's a bit grey, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. The sun was out last week. Uh, it's always sunny in Tottenham. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's how it goes. Um, so, uh, the reason you, you've come down and we've been able to be connected is speaking to Ken and he, the, my... 100 episode yes um which i listened to oh thank you very well much. done thank you <laughs> and he recommended that that i speak to you yes um because you've had a an interesting path from from what i gather um and yeah i'd love to it's i'd love to hear more about it and i'm sure the people listening to this will as well um so yeah if we could start by just kind of give us a bit of background um up to the point of you know, wanting to become an actor and... But that's very brief. That was age five. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it is something that was there because I, I had the impression for some reason because you did a lot of other things before drama school, Yeah, right? that's right. I kind of... I One would say I lost my way. Okay. <laughs> and then <laughs> refound my past. So, yeah, I, I know I wanted to be an actor at the age of five and I was doing stupidness and putting on my own plays to the cat uh, and any other animal that might watch uh, briefly <laughs> from a tree. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I, I got sidetracked because I didn't, um, there was, a, when I moved to upper school, the age 12, 13, there was a brilliant drama teacher and she left the school I was moving into. Right. And so there was no reason to take drama and it also clashed. I can't remember now, but I think with history and geography, so I wasn't able to do, I wasn't able to fulfill my curriculum. Yeah. I'd have to drop something else I wanted. I didn't like the new teacher coming in. I just didn't take drama. I did all three sciences and technology. Cool. Uh, my dad's an aeronautical engineer. I think that was probably... He never lent on me, but I think that that was... contributed to me making that choice. Yeah, sure. And then a year into A-levels, I was like, I really don't want to go to university. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to get a job careers development officer said well you can either work in a bank or with your o-levels you can go into engineering oh wow and i was like those are the choices i have okay um i didn't even know drama school existed yeah i had no idea so i thought oh well uh i don't uh, engineering then yeah i'll uh so i applied for an apprenticeship in the mod um woolwich arsenal as was i think it's the o2 center now um <laughs> And did <laughs> embarked on a four-year apprenticeship in the Ministry of Defence in mechanical and production engineering. And, of course, they sent me to college and I ended up doing degree-level maths. And I, I can't bear it. I can't bear maths. <laughs> um, but I stuck out my four years. I grew up a lot. Um, and I learned how to fix things. I learned how to make things. I mean, I, I worked on steam locomotives. I worked on helicopters. I, wow. Uh, yeah, so great. Yeah. Kind of great interesting As experience boy, yeah. Right, yeah but there's no cre there's no room for creativity there right you have a drawing it has tolerances 
you operate within those tolerances and that's your lot. You can't deviate from the... Exactly. Yeah. And it was also, not to put too fine a point on it, very racist. Right. So <laughs> it was grim. It was really grim. Uh, I won't go into all of it. Um, but I did my four years... I knew, again, you know, I'd made a horrible mistake, but I'd earned enough money to get a one-way ticket to Australia. Nice. Uh, and a working visa. And went out via Amsterdam, Egypt, Bali, Java, Lombok. Ken was talking about Bali. Yeah. Uh, it was so brilliant. We never knew, actually, just to uh, go off down a tendril, we never knew how much mask work he'd done. Like, he'd done it for real. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. We always knew he was the Don, but to, <laughs> to understand why he's the Don was really interesting. So anyone listening to this, immediately switch off this uh, podcast and go and listen to number 100 uh, <laughs> to hear it from the, uh, the horse's mouth. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry, Australia. I was in Australia, I think, 18 months. What was that, just travelling, just having it a look around the world? It was me trying to find out who the hell I was yeah. and what I was doing. And yeah. so I essentially, truly ran away. Yeah, but is so often the case. Uh, uh, by running away, I ran into myself. Yeah, and was sitting on a beach. I think it was in Bali, and I thought, look, I'm really unhappy as an engineer. What do you want to do? Uh, and I turned and looked at myself and thought, I've always wanted to be an actor. Yeah, and so when I, by the time I even landed in Australia, I had the idea that I was going to um, embark on enrol in some acting classes and see how it went and yeah. whether or not I suited it and it suited me and. Um, by the end of that period, I was fixed on, right, I'm going to come back and audition. Yeah. Um, and by that point, you knew about drama schools and stuff like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It was the Australians who were like, well, drama school. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? Uh, okay. Um, and I remember doing monologue classes even when I was in, in Australia. And when I came oh, really? back, I auditioned. I did the stupidest thing. I told the world that I was auditioning for drama school. And I think I applied for seven. Wow. Um, but went in with the weight of 40 people on my shoulders. Yeah. And didn't get anywhere yeah. at all. <laughs> I got a recall for Giltle, to be fair. Not, no, I'm lying, I'm lying. I got on a, I got on a list. Like a waiting list or yeah, something. Yeah, reservation-y yeah. thingy. It's even better than a recall. Um, is it? I can't remember. <laughs> it, well, it was something anyway. It, yeah. was, it was enough. I... <sighs> Yeah, I, I think, I mean, what Giltle basically said to me was, look, you've got an astonishing uh, CV as an engineer. Yeah. Absolutely nothing as an actor. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go away for a year and just, you know, go and do something. Well, you know, I've just done that. Well, um, <laughs> they were right. I mean, even in Australia, um, I ended up engineering because it was all I had to yeah. pay my way. I was Fair working enough. in a record factory, mending record presses when wow. Kylie Minogue was about to do her thing. Wow. Um, so, um, so what kind of age are you at this point? I'm, I was then 21. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Bushy tailed. <laughs> Which uh, is still could be considered quite young for drama school even now. Like, you know, it's, it's, I often think that I, I would have been better off if I had gone a bit later on right, in right, life. Right. Um, you know, just to, to, like they say, gain that experience of, of life. Right. Um, beforehand. Cause I was just blown away by London and then. You know, there were a lot of youngsters. I mean, I know that the seventeen-year-olds, some of them struggled. Yeah. Um, um, going in, I don't know. I think, I think it works both ways. I, I think that people who are very young, when they graduate, um, 
I don't know, agents seem to like them. Yeah. And there's definitely work for them. Oh, yeah. And I know that, I mean, I came out when I was like 27, I think. Yeah. I think 25 to 27, something like that, 24 to 27. Um, and I, I definitely had missed out on on some stuff. Right, right. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think it swings around about. It is a lot about, I mean, I felt ready for drama school because I knew why I was there and I'd already done my, oh my God, London's a big place. Yeah, yeah. As an engineer. Yeah. Um, um, so doing drama school, I kind of definitely was focused and, the guy I chimed with the most was a guy called Alan who had done agricultural college and been a farmer for 10 years oh, since wow. he was like 15. Jesus. So we had that. Yeah. Which uh, which made us like look askance at <laughs> some of the kind of actor types we felt. Yeah, yeah. We were still actor types. I don't know what we were talking about, <laughs> yeah. but we felt we were different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, cool. And and so then you got into drama school. Uh, yeah, I got in the second time of asking... Um, so, so to try and stay on the topic of um, inspiration. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, obviously, the first year I got nowhere at all. I remember one audition, the woman auditioning me, she was on her own and she was busy organising her tea and biscuits during my speech. Right. Uh, that wasn't a good look. No. Uh, either for me or her. Yeah. Um, and then um, the only reason, I believe the only reason that I auditioned again the next year because that was a, obviously a comprehensive no from seven drama schools yeah the reason that i auditioned again the following year was two reasons one was um that Guildhall did didn't say a direct no they said come back yeah after a year um but also i auditioned for drama center yeah yeah and there at the time i believe he's, he died some years ago was a swedish guy called yat marmgren mm -hmm. you probably won't have heard of I him but he no. was he was kind of a, another godlike figure um, who was a, a dramaturg and horribly scary. Right. Um, quite old, um, very thick accent, but he was just like one of these, you know, oh God, it's Yat Margaret, the yeah, drama yeah. centre, and it was so gritty and hardcore yeah. at the drama centre. And uh, the audition was grim in the extreme. Um, it was an old church, I don't know if it probably still is, um, and the stage that you stand on to do your piece is no bigger than this table. Jesus. And so you're really close to the panel. Yeah. There's a panel of, I think, three or four tutors. Behind them, the entire first and second year what? students. There's like 30, 40 people in the room. At, your, at, at, the, at drama the audition, audition. At the drama school audition. And I had to learn a piece for that particular drama school rather than the piece that yeah. I had learned, I chose. Sure, yeah. Uh, it was Tis Pity She's a Whore, I remember it. And I remember at one point not believing myself. I'd started, I kicked off my piece. Yeah. And not believing myself. Yeah, yeah. Stopping, turning around and gently knocking my head against the wall of the church behind me, going, why can't you do this, you idiot? Oh, Jesus, man. To myself. I just remember that as being the Nadia yeah. of auditions. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I've had one worse. And I'm sure, yeah. Since, <laughs> uh, but the, the whole reason I'm telling you all of this is because that was the morning. And in the afternoon, I'd actually met a girl. Because when you, 
when you audition at several drama schools, you tend to go through in the same block as other people, so yeah. you recognise faces. Yeah, you start to become familiar with yeah, people. Exactly, yeah. because you're in the same kind of yeah. uh, batch that is going around the drama schools yeah. at the same time, because you applied at the same time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so I met this girl at a previous drama school. We knew we were doing Drama Centre the same day, um, and she was auditioning in the afternoon. So I hung around in the cafe because we were going to go off and get a meal. Yeah. Um, so I was still there. Otherwise, I obviously would have just gone and climbed down a drain and <laughs> never come out and lived in the sewers of London yeah. um, for the, at least the next 10 years. But um, she was there, so I hung about. And then everyone came back for second half of auditions. And yet Marmgren came. And I'm like trying to hide. And he stopped. And he said, you auditioned this morning. And I was like, yeah. And he said, promising. And that's all he said. And then he moved on. But that for me was enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't my mum telling me I was great. Yeah. That was someone who I respected in the industry. Yeah, yeah. Saying that maybe I had something. After the atrocious audition <laughs> that I had just delivered. Which he was watching, I assume. Which he was in the front yeah. of. Yeah. Um, that was enough for me to think, all right, then maybe I should, you know, keep going. Yeah. Maybe I should give it a swing. That's great. Absolutely. And then, so then you got into Guildhall. Yeah. I, I then, in that year out, I created a theatre company. I went and did the Edinburgh Fringe. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you, in the year that you didn't get into drama school, in that year between, you created a theatre company. Yeah. And you went to the Fringe Festival. Yeah, of course. Because Guildhall had said to me, you've got a great CV as an engineer. I go, right. but you need to be... More acting experience. We, we need, you know? So yeah. it was like, oh, all right then. I'll make a theatre company. But I, I, The reason that shocks me is because I don't think that would occur to many people at that point in time. I suppose most of the people that I've spoken to who have... Done it subsequently. Exactly, yeah. Created theatre companies once they have a bit of... I don't know, know how about how shows work. No, or no, how, the best way know. to do it is when you're really ignorant and have no idea of the size of what you're about to do. I think you're probably right. It is true. Yeah. Just bite off more than you can chew and then get other people to help. And then chew. I suppose it's the, yeah. And I, I suppose that's the quickest way to, to learn and, to and fail, yeah. get better. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, I did exactly the same thing. After leaving drama school, uh, we all come to when I when I directed my first film. Yeah. Which I, I directed it was a feature film which I wrote, produced, directed, and co-starred. Yeah. Uh, like you do. Yeah. Um, just because I thought, well, why not? Yeah. Is actually the what goes through my head. I, I never, I guess, I never stopped myself with the with the theatre company because it was like, well, that's what you should do. So. I didn't look at the enormity. Yeah. But I also think it's very different now. Yeah, sure. This is like 1989. Right. So, it, I don't know, maybe it was born. different. I just thought, yeah, get a bunch of mates, form a theatre company. We, we wrote between us a, like a comedy review. Yeah. You were talking, I was, uh, it was hilarious listening to you talking about um, drying on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd written a comedy review. We were in Edinburgh. Um, and I'd written half of it, and then the night before we're due to go on, of the four of us, one guy dropped out. Right. So suddenly, the night before. yeah, Jesus, nice. And so I thought I knew his roles. Yeah. But it made a nightmare because it was normally two on, two off, two on, two off. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of review. But suddenly there were three of us, and that didn't work. <laughs> so I learned. I thought I'd learned his part because I'd written it. Yeah. 
but I really didn't know it, so I dried completely on stage. I, there was a huge, huge hole. It's a, it's a. I think it's a good, although terrifying, experience to to go through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Really, you you're out there, you're on your own, and you 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 got to do so. You got to make a decision. Yeah, and, I, uh, I didn't. I mean, I must have looked. What was interesting was up until that point, I think our comedy review was very uncomedy and quite unengaging. The moment I dried. You could have heard a pin drop. Yeah. I mean, that was theatre. Yeah, yeah, Ironically. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's real. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. People are witnessing a dude <laughs> going, fuck. They're witnessing an absolute death. Yeah, yeah. I never did recover. Um, uh, there were two guys on the stage with me. One of them was trying to help. He was yeah. like, weren't you going to talk about this and this? Really, really helping. Yeah. And the other one just stood behind me and just did a, a winding hand as if he was trying to wind me up again because <laughs> I'd properly failed and I, I don't straight thing happened in my brain I, I came in a paragraph down right yeah and then found myself just giving a precy of what the previous one was about it's yeah. weird what the brain does oh totally man yeah um, was that inspirational I tell you that was uninspirational but I wanted to actually talk about that thinking about what you want to talk about I think it's almost as useful to talk about what really doesn't inspire you okay yeah yeah sure just because it can be a real pointer as to what could inspire you. Okay. So like for me, engineering was super uninspiring. But it gave you a drive. And it pushed me down for four years. Right, right, right. Which was the spring that sprung me into doing something actually that I really wanted to do and giving me the drive to do that. Yeah, and taking hold of, taking control of it in yeah, some exactly, Yeah, exactly, absolutely. That's cool. And yeah. so then, so you, you did the Edinburgh show. Yeah, I did, did the Edinburgh show. Horrible failure. <laughs> no, it was great fun. God, yeah. we learned. Absolutely. And then the following year, got into Guildhall, chuffed, obviously. And at that moment, the moment, I tell you what was really important to me. I don't know if this will be helpful to anybody. It really helped me because I think there were kind of, obviously, many aspects of inspiration, but two key ones are things outside of you externally that inspire you like get Margren yeah. for me saying promising yeah and then what you can do for yourself to inspire yourself okay and it's not necessarily inspiration as such but I think it was a really useful thing to do before I got into drama school and I didn't want to jinx myself yeah so firstly I didn't tell anybody at all I was auditioning again the following year and I just was able to go in with just me yeah but the other thing I did was when, before I got in, I said to myself, if you get in, yeah. you need to accept something about yourself. Right. And that is that you have ability. Yeah. And that you deserve to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that if I hadn't done that, I would have spent at least the first six months going, okay, I slipped through the net. I'm going to get found out. And it's all going to go horribly wrong. I definitely, those thoughts definitely crossed my mind. Right. And they crossed mine as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but they were lessened yeah. by, by, first of all, saying it's really important here. Because we're, as actors yeah. in general, so good at absorbing the negative, as you were talking about before. Yeah. More, you know, 99 positive things. One person says, that was shit. And that's what you That's take. what you listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's sure. the only thing that bounces around inside your head yeah. forevermore. Um, what was really important was to say to myself, because no one else was going to say to me, um, if you get in, there's only 26 people who get in. 13 of them are men. Yeah. 2,000 people audition for this. Yeah. 
you need to accept something about yourself here. This is really important because I couldn't do it in retrospect. Yeah. I couldn't say to myself, once I got in, once I knew I was in, because it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. So that was important for me, I think. Yeah. That was indirectly, that was inspirational. Amazing. As a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So in, being inspired by your own sort of... Um, just recognizing yeah. something about yourself that was positive. Well, it's a really good thing to do because, and I don't think we do it enough. And I imagine that that you know what some of the stuff that Ken talks about in terms of success are that probably uh, more people are more successful when they are able to do that. And I, I do find so. that when I'm you know in a room with actors in it, whether that's a rehearsal or on set or whatever, you know there 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 are people who have this. This is like a negative word in my head, but I, I don't think it is, but a certain entitlement where they have, they have clearly said to themselves at some point, I deserve to be here. Without doubt. And you can really see that and it's attractive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really important thing. I think you're spot on. And what's interesting about that uh, on that point is that that can come from a place of absolute ignorance. Yeah. Or from knowledge. Yeah. But I actually believe that both of them can work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get me? So so Ken can stand up and teach mask. Yeah. Because he's gone to Bali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the woods and done it. Yeah. On his own. Yeah, yeah. For the Balinese. In Balinese. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You don't... He's done it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. someone else with a, with a... A sense of entitlement that comes, I don't know, from their background, from their schooling, from whatever. Yeah, because it can come from all different places. Can stand up and do exactly the same thing, obviously not in their own way. Yeah. But because they have that same sense of, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Um, so I think that you can therefore create, even in absence of, of the real. Yeah. It's possible to create that sense of, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, totally. And by doing that, you're more likely to, to find... A to find B to give yourself a chance of success. Who was this? It was a famous. I don't even know if he was a hockey player or a basketball player. That's appalling. It's a Canadian guy. I think his name was Gretzky. Okay. Is he hockey? Maybe? Canadian. Yeah. Pro probably likely. hockey. But he basically said, and I'll get the quote right at yeah. least, which is the important bit. Um, sorry. Sorry. Right. Uh, Gretzky. Um, uh, you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah. And if you give yourself permission to start a theatre company, yeah. to stand up and do a monologue in front of X thousand people, uh, in front of four people, yeah. um, you need to give yourself that permission and give yourself the break to say, yes, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Because that permission, so often we wait for other people to give that permission. Yeah. And I think in this day and age, more than ever, it's so important that you give that permission to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Just to be able to start the the journey. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um. So you uh went. So then you were at Guildhall, and obviously, I know now that you know you, your path has sort of wound around sure. in different directions post drama school. Yeah. Were there were there any points at drama school um i know you, you you talk a lot about race and um casting in that way um and so was there any point at drama school where something in your head went i need to think differently about this or or no you see it was really interesting it, it was the opposite right. um, um 
I, uh, as a British Asian, I, I didn't ever question. I, I got in, I learned. I obviously don't have a, any trouble with the language. Yeah. Um, and what guilt or what drama school, I guess, in general is great for is giving you A, confidence and B, permission. Yeah. As a, as a drama student, yeah. you're spoiled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you get to play a five-year-old boy, you get to play a ninety-year-old woman. Yeah. And you don't think anything of that. Yeah. You're like, oh man, this is great. You know, what can I do? How do I, how do I find this character? And you just get on it. Yeah. Um, when you leave drama school, that's when the scales fell from my eyes because I'm standing there going, I'm an actor. I I can do anything. Give me a role, and you know, I'm on it. Let's do this. Yeah. And the industry is looking at me, going, okay, you're male. Yeah. You're Asian. Yeah. And you're of a certain age. So you will wait until there's a male Asian of a certain age yeah. um, to play and then we'll see you. Right. Yeah. And that was hard. That was what was hard. Yeah, totally. So is so so just to clarify, like the, the whole period at drama school, you were it was acting. Yes. Yeah. All set. I'm because doing you're doing, this. you know, you're doing yeah. Shakespeare. You're doing scenes from Measure for Measure. You're yeah. doing... You know, you're doing Chekhov. You're doing the lot. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I was there. That's why I wanted to be there. I didn't audition anywhere else. Absolutely. On the second, after I'd learned what I learned the first time around, Guildhall was where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was just loving acting and there, and colour was an irrelevance yeah, to me. Yeah, great. I mean, but then maybe not so great afterwards. So how quickly did the realisation come that, that very this fast. was going to be an issue? Yeah, yeah, yeah very fast because... Um, and I, I don't. I did a piece in the Guardian last yeah. October, and this is twenty three years on from graduating. Yeah, the situation is the same. They're asking you to put on an accent. Yeah, that you've just got off, got off the banana boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and be stereotyped. So yeah. when I was coming out of drama school, it was mostly drugs, um, and getting beaten up, getting beaten up, dealing drugs, beating people up. Right. Um, and now obviously it's like terrorism is a big thing. So, yeah. The, uh, and you don't work unless, um, and that's really hard. Yeah, because you you are you you think I'm an actor when you when you're in drama school, and when you leave, you go, oh no. I mean, look, everybody is stereotyped to a, to a certain degree. Yeah, everyone yeah. is cast type to a certain degree, but I find it difficult when when that brings in an entire culture. Yeah, and when that's all you see uh, on the screens, and it's such a powerful place to be in someone's living room uh and in the playground the next day like if you've done a casualty a bill an eastenders yeah. and you're a negative role model right where's the positive role model to counterbalance that yeah exactly that's yeah. what i'm talking about yeah um that's what's hard yeah no absolutely so to answer sorry to answer your question oh, yeah once i came out and i began to i mean i did some really nice stuff i was into after winning dramas on the Beeb in the years in the days when the BBC still did good drama, um, and that's a very bad thing to say. Um, and uh, um, I just, I guess, because maybe because I'd made the theatre company before drama school, I was like, well, I, I, I just want to, I want to make a film. I, uh, so let's go and make a film. Yeah, I'm, I didn't feel I could direct it. Yeah. Was that a result of of the casting of the situation? Casting situation? Um, I was really interested in the Mike Lee process. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I knew an actress called Marion Bailey, 
who'd done a lot of Mike Lee's early work, okay. all of his theatre work, and then his first film, I think it was called Meantime, yeah. um, which launched like Phil Daniels and Tim Roth. Yeah, yeah. Alfred Molina was involved, I think. Yeah. It was a um, seminal. And um, I said, look, would you direct a short? She'd never directed before, but I, I was really interested in the master improv uh, process. Yeah. So I got three other guys, two girls and another guy from Guildhall. Yeah. And said, look, here's the cast. I'll produce it, i.e. do all the logistics because I could do that with an engineering team. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, but I want to act in it with the four of us. But where I wanted my colour really to be an irrelevance. I yeah. just wanted to create a drama. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, it was fantastic. She said yes. And I must bring Ken back in there and give another nod <laughs> because I applied for two amounts of money, one through Guildhall, which was the Fox Foundation. Okay. I don't know if it's still going or not. I'm not aware no of it. No idea. No. And the other was an a Express, which was National Lottery money. Oh, wow. And they turned me down and Ken was my referee. Right. And he got them to reverse their decision. Jesus. So he got the money for me to make my first short film. Wow. Which on the back of got me the funding to fund my first feature film. Amazing. So I have a lot to thank Ken for. Yeah, cool. I spent the whole of the first year corpsing in his classes. Yeah. And I have no idea why he still likes me. <laughs> um, um, because there was, a, there was a point where I couldn't look at anybody in the year without them or me or both corpsing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was wrong. No, and I, I apologise for that as well, Ken. Well, I think we all go through that for sure. I was bad. Uh, so yes, um, inspirationally, I guess, I guess it's about finding the negative, and 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 having it and using it to spur you to do, therefore do something positive. Yeah. In later years, I would regard it as I knew I could get really bitter and twisted, and one of those actors who just bitched about how shit it all was yeah yeah sure um and never did anything about it uh and there were any number of actors you can meet in a bar who say oh i want to write this film i want to write this play i want to make this and and they don't yeah it's enough for them to just dream bad mouth the thing and then yeah dream about over a beer yeah and the following day they've forgotten but they feel better yeah vaguely yeah yeah for yeah. a short term it sort of numbs it for a minute yeah. yeah um i was more like well yeah so okay this isn't working for me so therefore i'm going to do something about it and, and ken touched on it in terms of he felt he had an agenda yeah a political drive yeah and i suppose it's been the same for me because i've been very aware of the limitations that have been placed upon me as an actor of color yeah it's been important for me to be a part of that dialogue and to strive to make a change. So I felt, rightly or wrongly, as an actor, that you kind of are set up very much as a victim. Yeah. In that you wait for someone to like your face. Yeah. You wait for someone to like what you do. Mm -hmm. And then they employ you. They give you money to go and be allowed to do what you do. Yeah. That I found really restrictive. So I, yeah. I did lovely work. But there were huge gaps. Yeah. And I was turning down work because I found it. Uh, I just didn't want to do it. And yeah. I waded through. I think I've waded through nine agents. Wow. Because there's work I'm not prepared to do. Yeah. Um, because I find it stereotypical 
unengaging you know i'm an actor with an attitude and it, yeah yeah it can it can really not help does do, are there any points where you've been offered something or offered an audition and you've seen like a, a a stereotype or you know it's the same old thing they want me to be this um uh but that have you ever sort of gone oh, that it would be good to be in that does it... When I when I started out, yeah, I I pretty much did all that I was offered because you want to work, right? Yeah, you know, you want to get stuff on the CV, you get it, yeah, and it was nice stuff. I mean, like I said, I did two draw. I did, I think I did the bill. Yeah, I also did Casualty. I did a thing on EastEnders. Yeah, um, just sort of guesties. Yeah, Soldier Soldier. I was a guest. oh yeah yeah. Uh, well, I guess you sort of shoot yourself in the foot then and you go, fuck, I've been, I've not been helping the situation. So yeah, I, it makes you, it made me, it made, because the soldier, soldier one, I was a Sikh. Right. And, and I get beaten up and terrorized by some guys on the unit and right. I run away and go and live in the woods. And then I'm persuaded to come back by the leads in the show. Right. Um, so I found it kind of like, really, I mean, it's nice. It was a nice role. It's great. It was great show reel at the time for me to do. I I understood why yeah. I was doing it. Yeah. But it was all adding to the sense that is this all that I I get? Is yeah. this where I'm at? Is this what well, I get is, to do? Is this all that my permission is allowing exactly. me to do? Yeah. So so that really was the thing that really I, I think I left in ninety I left Guildhall in ninety three. I made losing heart this first short film in 97 oh wow so it took me that kind of four years of yeah i was working but something wasn't right yeah um so it was lovely just to make a, a little kind of kitchen sink drama about two couples living one above the other yeah and ha what did that do for you what in terms of inspiration or in terms of like helping you discover something else about the industry and where you want to go right. and what you want to do. Did I that... think it did a lot. Yeah. I think it did a lot in terms of it did give me a role that I really wanted to do. Yeah. That I helped create for yeah. God's sake in part, in part with master improvs. Um, it gave me uh, the confidence and the understanding that I could produce a film. Um, Marion also left me alone very much with the director of photography to do the camera, whereas obviously she was right on with the actors she worked it. Yeah. Um, so I was beginning to start. I mean, I'd always, I guess I I directed a lot my theatre company. Yeah. So I always had. See, for me, was that something that continued throughout drama school or and post? Um, I definitely did some writing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I directed during drama school, but I definitely wrote. Yeah. And I ended up at one point going off to Trinidad in 92 and ended up co-directing The Sound of Music in Port of Spain during the summer holiday. Wow. Uh, out, completely out sideways, not because I, that was what I was going for, but because um, I was going for family reasons, but uh, I ended up falling in with a bunch of guys who were doing that. Yeah. So, so I came back having done that. Um, I think I was just about... I was all about giving myself permission until someone turned around and said, no, you can't do that. Yeah. So uh, making the first short film, I didn't feel I could direct it. I'd certainly, you know, I'd made the right decision there. Um, but that obviously led on to the very next thing I did was make my first feature film. Yeah. So I guess you, you had this feeling of like, I've just done this. Yeah. Like I can do it. Yeah. 
and it directly led to the financing of a feature film. Oh wow! The financier, uh, one of the one of the actresses in the short. Yeah. She worked in the city making sandwiches as a day job. Right. When she wasn't acting. Yeah. And she invited two suits from the city to come and see the short film because we needed money to to f- complete it. Wow. It was shot on film. We needed post production yeah, yeah. finance. And he liked the short film and said, "So." what else have you got up your sleeve? You know, what else is that? I was thinking, I don't know, a comedy feature. And he's like, okay, you write it. I'll have a look at it. And okay. So Jesus that was Christ. like, I wrote it in the May. We were shooting it in August. Bloody hell. So he didn't finance all of it. Really long story. He financed half of it, but enough to get it off the ground. Get it going, it started. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it gave me a permission to do that in my head and be, uh, literally gave me the finance to do that yeah 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 so as you're probably finding with your podcast it 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 alters you mentally in terms of gets you out of yourself yeah yeah uh and get stuff off your chest Mm -hmm. um but at the same time it also is opening you out to the world yeah and allowing the world in and allowing someone to come in and go i like what you're doing um, can you do this or would you like to do that or yeah. can we do can we expand what you have absolutely yeah um, it, it opens up those options which is again something Ken was talking about yeah and it and it does and it, it then suddenly you get this you regain this power or this control or an energy yeah that you you had maybe lost through just waiting for the right part to come when they like your sure, face, whatever. Sure. So suddenly you create a podcast or you do is you create a short film or a feature film and you, you're holding the reins and you're right. going, all right, I can do this. was So, so then you're holding the reins at that point, but then did, were you, what were the difficulties that you had once, once you were in that seat of control again, was there any sort of threat to the, the taking of, of your control? I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm that kind of a... I hope I'm not that kind of a control freak. I mean, I yeah, no. <laughs> I, I literally... I gave myself that many roles just because I wanted to get it done. Yeah. So if someone else... Like, I built my own set yeah. just because I could. Yeah. Like, physically, I was an engineer. Yeah. So um, I wrote it because I had an idea. I wrote with certain actors in mind who I employed. They all said yes. Amazing. So just the idea of you would look really funny with a face full of nuts yeah. in a thing, uh, and then that actor going yeah, and then me putting a camera in front of them three months later, and they were funny. Yeah, yeah. That to me was unalloyed joy. Yeah. Um, and that was why I wrote it and what I saw in my head. So to have that come a reality was was what it was all about. It was about I'm going to do whatever it needs to get done in order to get this to happen. Yeah. To get it to work. Yeah. Rather than, um, oh, no, I, I, I shouldn't do that because you're not meant to write and direct or you're not meant to act in something. I don't think I would ever be in something that I was directing ever again. Yeah. I learned that I can't do that because I don't give myself enough permission to do enough takes. And secondly, I can't watch myself as an actor. I hate watching myself on screen in uh, the best of times. I can't direct myself. Yeah. And I needed my mates to go after the tape. Was that okay? Was, yeah, yeah. Was that all right? And and either they go yes or no. <laughs> uh, or normally they say, what, did you just do something? <laughs> uh, 
Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, going, but it, what, two things. One, what was uninspiring was doing a load of work that I didn't believe in, that I was doing work that was purely to pay the rent, but yeah. not work that I actually, my heart was Gave in. you some sort of satisfaction. So for inspiration's sake, yeah. that was uninspiring. Yeah. What was inspiring, what would be inspiring would be to do something that I was engaged in, that I did want to do, that my energies were for. Yeah. In a positive sense. So again, that sort of downward pressure. Yes. Was reloading that spring again. You know, so, yeah. so in terms of inspiration, it became about, well, look, if no one else is going to give you what you want, um, try and create it for yourself. Yeah. Try and make it for yourself. Yeah. Um, that was what the, the, the genesis of the film thing was about. Yeah, sure. In answer, sorry, really long way around. No, no, in answer sorry. to your question of having done that, what then happened was interesting because I would go in again to forgettable auditions. Yeah. Where I wasn't really that interested. I'm such a snob. Um, <laughs> But I was sitting in that I was sitting in that room, and this was not helpful. Thinking, okay, I can do your job. I can do your job. I can do your job. You know, yeah. not good. Yeah, Casting yeah. director, director, yeah. producer, actor. Wrong, wrong. Bad <laughs> attitude. Not helpful. Um, I suppose what that then made me do was think well. That being the case, and if there's still not work that you want to do on offer, and I was trying to take parts, I was trying to take roles, but I was trying to take roles that weren't necessarily for Asians, yeah. necessarily, yeah, uh, which was happening, but rarely. Mm -hmm. But I was also um, hugely involved in the distribution, the completion and distribution of my feature, yeah, which took several years, a couple of years. Wow, took it to Cannes to get a sales agent, all the rest of it, yeah, which I managed. Um, but the sales agent turned out to be owned by Prince Andrew, right? And Prince Andrew was then drummed out of the industry because he'd made a program about the princes at school when there was an embargo on anyone making programs about right. the princes. And so he was told to shut his company down and that did for my film. Oh, shit. So it, it was, again, a massive learning curve. I was in a whole new territory yeah. of, of film production and I, uh, I got absolutely destroyed by that. Um, so that set me back. Um, and I guess I was out of the loop acting-wise. Yeah. I think I still had an agent, but there wasn't much work. But then I started thinking, well... What worked about the film was the engagement between the actors. The performances were wonderful. Yeah. What I had no knowledge at all about was production values, right. camera, lenses. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, so film school. Go, oh, yeah. go to film school. Yeah. Learn this, learn this stuff because you, you're rubbish. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'll put it like that. Well, but uh, and, and so I applied for... National Film and Television School. There's only six places. Jesus. Uh, it was mad. It was great. Um, it was great. Because because of Making Offending Angels, again, talking about inspiration and how creating opportunities for yourself begets other opportunities, 
having made a Fending Angels and been looking for finance to finish the film, I met a chap called Nick Powell, mm-hmm. who at the time was a producer who'd made The Crying Game, yeah. uh, Ladies in Lavender, a lot of big British yeah. successful productions. He had just become director of the National Film and Television School. Right. Uh, and I went along to an open day of the film school and sidled up to him. And as I say, I'd met him about over angels and said, look, I'm thinking of coming to to applying. What do you think? Kind of trying to test the waters before (laughs) I did the whole thing. And, and I wanted to go in as a director and this was like the term started in January. Your application was meant to be in in April. Right. This was September. So I totally missed. Yeah. And he said, well, the thing is that there's a space left on the screenwriting. All right. I think you should apply for that. Because I'd obviously written yeah. stuff. And I said, well, I want to be a director. Yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, yeah, what is directing about? It's about the script. Yeah. Uh, what else is it about? It's about the script. Yeah. And you're right. It's about the script. <laughs> um, and I thought, God, look, if you get into the NFTS, yeah. Um, you just go in and rape and pillage all the other, um, you know, the cinematography department, the directing. You just once you're You've in, got it all there. You fill your boots. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't hang about. You just go in there and get what you need. Yeah, from, yeah. from the other departments, it's like permission. Yeah. So I applied. Uh, I got in. Um, so suddenly, there was that madness of I was an actor. Yeah. I mean, I was an actor. I was yeah. in the spotlight. I had an agent and thing, and I was auditioning. And suddenly, I, and there was never a moment's hesitation of like, should I be doing this? Yeah. It was like, I got in, I think I was informed in October or November to start in January. I was like, yeah, I'm so on it, I'm there. Yeah. And once I got there, obviously I did that. I piled into, Brian Tufano was the cinematographer on Trainspotting. Yeah. He'd even worked on one of my favourite films, Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, amazing man and obviously I just tore into the cinematography to learn about lenses and such like and I got in in January and by March I was making my first short film oh wow and everybody was like who's what who do you think you are yeah uh, and I made a short film called Opportunist uh, which is on my website 10 minutes short oh great and that was bought by Fox oh wow for distribution um, it caused a bit of a furore it's um, quite a controversial short oh yeah um but I knew that when I left film school, I was a writer director, and you had two years there yeah. as an MA, and I wanted to have a showreel. So it seems like there's a recurring theme here, with with certainly in regards to Ken's episode as well, is that this this um, this curiosity, this this also your your the the drive because I know the the sort of more negative side of myself would be presented with that brick wall and go, oh, I I don't know. And it seems that the the sort of running theme with a lot of the people that I speak to is that that brick wall appears and they either jump over it or just fucking smash through it and keep going, find the next thing. Oh, what about this? Um, National Film Television School, that'd be good. Um, I can get everything I need. I can go in there. And you, you have this, it seems like you're, you're, seems like you're always one step ahead. Of... Uh, no, I wouldn't say one step ahead. No? I, I would say, yes, there's definitely, you see a brick wall. Yeah. And then for me, metaphorically, I guess I stand still for a moment and go, is there a window? Is there a door? Yeah. Can I dismantle the wall? Yeah. Brick by brick? Yeah. 
can I dissolve the cement? Can yeah. I blow it up? Is there a way around it? Do you know what I mean? Just find any solution yeah. that works, that gets you beyond it, or change direction. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. there's a brick wall, but you can turn left and right, yeah. well, as far as I'm concerned, that's still moving forward. Uh, yeah, sure, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So um, it, it, it just becomes... It's a problem to be solved. It's a Rubik's cube. Life is a Rubik's cube. Yeah, some, you know, totally. so you're always going to come across obstacles, and it does become, as Ken says, um, about how you solve that. And he gave, I think it was a Chinese proverb about knock down eight times, get up nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, because I also teach um, uh, in Nepal. I've taught uh, radio playwriting and film. Oh, cool. And um, I always cite. Um, Thomas Edison, he, yeah, uh, obviously invented the light bulb. Yeah. Do you know how many goes it took him? No. Have a guess. Have a wild. Uh, I feel like because of the way you asked yeah, me, I course. feel like it's going to be pretty high. Maybe like uh, 150 times. Yeah, 150, 10,000. Wow. 10,000 goes and fails. Yeah. At making it work. Right. Now, that has to be almost a kind of madness, right? Because yeah. any sane person, you maybe you get you get to 150 and you quit. Same way. Because it's just not going to happen. Yeah. 10,000. <laughs> and yet we're also chuffed that he did 10,001. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, he believed in it. And, and, I mean, he was obviously presumably close enough to see that it could work, but he just needed... 10,000 tweaks yeah uh, I don't know I, I think that's inspirational um, because he's left an extraordinary and lasting legacy but also a benefit yeah to the world which again is what Ken was talking about is what you're doing beneficial yeah because that's where you get um, sucker from that's where you get life from where you get affirmation within yourself yeah yeah um, I Making Offending Angels, it was a romantic comedy um, using a lot of guys from RADA. Weird. Um, <laughs> my year was regarded as one of the vintage years at Guildhall. And yeah. I just remember it as being really fractious, cliquey, and, and really not working together as a unit. Oh, really? There was a boy-girl divide and all sorts. Oh, and, wow. and I got on with the year below me at RADA. Right. And I'm still mates with more than more of them. Really? Than I am of my lot of Guildhall. Uh, weird. Um, but, but why was I telling you that? Um, I can't remember. I'm awful. No, me too. I'm terrible. Offending Angels. Uh, making it with the cast. Most of them came from Rada. Rada, yeah. Um, obviously, because they were better. No, <laughs> they really weren't. I mean, in fact, Beerbone Tree, who created Rada, was taught at Guildhall. Oh, so really? If ever there's a conversation, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. something I learned in the archiving at Guildhall of the photographs. So. Yeah. Um, sorry, I've gone completely off piste. No, you're right. Um, so I, I'll, I'll try and crack on. Um, so what 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 came after that? So you went to film school. You did yes. that. You, you've just mentioned you you've been out in the pool teaching sometimes. And, yes. Um, like, so at this point, are you an actor anymore, or are no, you a I, creative? I I walked away from. Um, I I said in very good terms, but I I said goodbye to my agent. Yeah. Um, I did my two year MA. Um, and when I as I graduated, I was approached by the wife of the guy who'd funded my first feature right. film. Yeah, 
to say, look, I want to make a film about his life without him knowing. Right. Would you be interested in that? Yeah. And he was a super interesting guy. He's a hedge funder. I mean, that's a dirty word, but the amount of money and time that the pair of them pour into um, charitable concerns is extraordinary. They've created charities. So I said, yeah, immediately, A, because I needed to pay him back, and B, because he's an interesting guy. I met Baroness's Princesses, People flew in from Chicago. He'd taken his company from being worth 600 million to 62 billion in seven years. Jesus Christ. By applying um, game theory to hedge fund. Now, don't even ask me what that means. I just know that's what he did. Right. Um, An extraordinary man. And all of these charities that he'd been a part of set up. He instead, like his old school, he Manchester Grammar School. This is Lord Fink, Lord Stanley Fink. He'd gone to Manchester Grammar School on a scholarship because he was from a really poor um, background. They'd asked him for a five grand donation to fund another student to to go through. Um, He did better than that. He went in um, and and rearranged their financing so that not only would they get five grand for one year, they would get it annually from now until eternity. Jesus. Um, because that's what he does. That's yeah. what he can do. Wow. Um, great thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, totally. Um, so, yeah, I made that film, um, uh, which was screened on his birthday, and then I was asked to create a kind of um, grand designs film about a penthouse um, being made at the Renaissance Hotel at St Pancras, right. which, is again, is a, you know iconic building. Yeah, yeah. I'm an engineer. Uh, what's not to like yeah um, so I spent I think again about 14 15 months doing that right but that was again a private commission so leaving film school I did myself no favors because although I got paid very well and I needed the money um, I'd financed my way through film school playing poker right. and then um, and then got these two projects which got me out but I'd completely swerved doing channel four you know beginners this is where you find an agent yeah. this is where you get yourself on the map yeah i just went off and made two big documentaries yeah um and completely swerved what i should have been doing in terms of my career okay uh, as a filmmaker right, right right um so suddenly i was again in limbo two years out of film school yeah um going okay so now what yeah. uh, i was uh then in a bit of a hole thinking well you're in a hole. Either you could go and get a proper job, yeah, or um, or not. And I thought, <laughs> well, I could, I could try and write my way out of the hole I'm in. Yeah, and that's what I decided to do. So, and is that where these come in? Well, exactly. So, um, what I did was I'd obviously written books. I was putting my hand on books. I know. Then. Sorry, I forgot yeah. this was a uh, audio. yeah. Uh, uh, well, I, I I need to start with. The scripts yeah. because I think I wrote five feature films, two animations, two stage plays at film school. Right. Because that's what we did. Yeah, yeah. We watched a lot of films. Yeah. And we wrote a lot of scripts. Yeah. And had them torn apart. <laughs> um, and um, so I was, I ha- I was engaged in having made, having made the film about. Lord Fink's life. I met a guy who was at um, um, Cambridge with him, 
uh, and he was a lawyer and he said, look, I've got this friend, he's got a book, he wants to make it into a film, are you interested? And I'm like, yeah, we just say yes. Yeah, of course, yeah. Out. So I met this guy called Dennis Price. Um, he'd, he'd written a book, a factual book called The Missing Years of Jesus, which is about Christ coming to Britain age 12. Right. Now, I'm not a Christian, yeah. but um, uh, I thought that it was a really engaging and interesting book made some great points and sparked my imagination because no one knows about those years between the age of 12 and 30. Yeah. He disappears from all records. Right. But obviously we all know from 30 to 33, we know, we think we know him. Yeah, yeah. And what happened. So I wrote a complete, obviously, fiction about those years where he grew from boy to man. Wow. Uh, currently called JC and soon to be called Jerusalem, as in um, Blake but it's about Christ. It's the greatest story never told about the most famous man in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Christ coming to Britain. Did he uh, set foot? And from that, cutting a very long story short, got Stanley Kubrick's producer involved. He came out of retirement, uh, a guy called Phil Hobbs, lovely guy, and Steve Lanning, who he worked on Star Wars and Superman and Yentl and won an Emmy. So they're my producers... Wow. Uh, on that project is that uh, something that's still going on now yeah absolutely oh, right, yeah, cool. yeah. so i wrote it took me two years to write that script yeah to a point where i thought okay it's good enough to show someone else yeah um and by a very roundabout way i got those producers involved but i the reason i wanted to tell you all of that was because <laughs> it's about what begets what and if you do something positive and you get out of your hovel yeah you get out of your garret yeah and and do something positive with your everyone who gets into a good drama school you have you have something yeah and it's so important that you it's what i call the talent for talent it's the ability to look after what you have yeah when nothing else and no one else seems to give a shit yeah and a lot of people have talent but very few people have the ability to care for it so Alcohol gets in there, drugs get in there. Yeah. Um, your own self-confidence chewing away at you, lack of self-confidence does for you. Yeah. Uh, and you bail on it because it's hard. It's hard to be pressing your face against the coal face and, and it, when it's not working, all it feels is abrasive. Yeah. Um, and so it's what I call, yeah, the talent for talent, the talent to be able to look after what you have right. in the times when, you don't want to get out of bed yeah. or you just want to do something destructive because you can. Yeah. Um, it's, so it's, how do you look after that talent? By by doing, by doing positive things. So uh, it doesn't matter if that means that you clean the flat that day. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. Or whether it means that you go for a run or you put pen to paper and write a letter to the national and say, see me. Yeah. I don't care what it is, but if you do one little thing yeah. that day, yeah. you can then know when you go to bed that you actually got something positive done. And that helps. Yeah. And then on a bigger scale, you write your movie script or you send it to blah, blah, or you set up your podcast or you talk to your mate about forming that theatre company and putting on an impro show. You know, yeah. that that has to be where it has to go. Yeah. And I think as an actor, I mean, people ask me about acting, directing or writing. And I, I believe that it all comes from the same creative 
cool. Absolutely, yeah. But I just get as a writer, I get to use that core more of more often, more of the time, in something that I'm more interested in. Yeah, yeah, sure. Than when I wait for a part for my agent to send me uh, an audition. Yeah. That's what's engaging about what I do for me. Yeah. Because I'm still using that. Cre- I'll always be about the actor when I direct. Yeah. And when I write, I I'm heavily into character. Yeah. So the uh, the books that I've written because they obviously. Uh, so the books I've written are very character based. Yeah. So again, in answer to your a delayed answer to your question, <laughs> uh, there's quite a distance between us. The sound takes time to travel. Yeah. Um, I. <laughs> Then, having written a couple of feature films, thought the trouble with writing a feature script is that your canvas is so expensive, it yeah. takes an inordinate amount of time for someone to actually fund it, if they do. Yeah. And 11 people are there to say no. Yeah. For whatever reason, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, if you will sit down and write a novel, yeah. on the other hand, no one gets to say no. There is no brick wall. Right. Because you can expand on any idea you want to write the novel you want to write if you need to get an editor in at the end of it then by all means but you can self-publish now yeah you can a write it laugh and then nine months later have it out and 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 other people laugh yeah and that's great because no one gets in the way of that yeah sure yeah so that was the attraction about writing novels it's like complete freedom exactly so at that stage where i was thinking right i'm going to write my way out of this yeah i wrote another two films i wrote and in that two-year period i wrote two films two novels and three plays three stage plays (laughs) jesus um just because i can yeah you don't you can sit at home it costs you nothing yeah 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 you've got your computer yeah right yeah, that's how I looked at it. If you're not if you're not doing that, you're only beating yourself up. You're not. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I think I know the answer to this, but I guess what's sticking out for me is the importance of exploring. I, I, even ju- even if you still consider yourself as just an actor, that the the importance of exploring other creative avenues to to, to look after your talent yourself. and to express yourself. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Those two things. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I know of at least three uh, actors who I was at drama school with who are now artists. They either draw or paint and and brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, Many of them have become writers. Uh, Toby Whithouse, who was recently on at Soho, he won the Verity Bargate some years ago. He's just done a one-man show there at the Soho. What's he called? Uh, Toby Whithouse. Uh, What's the name of his show? I can't. No. Um, But he was two years above me. Okay, cool. Uh, so so, and Lou who was in my year uh, just created uh, Louise Brecken Richards she just created a one woman show which she put on at the Pleasance last year amazing uh, brilliant yeah um, and such a wonderful thing to do yeah you know just amazing yeah and, and she's involved as you are in, in various groups to to learn and expand and well that's the other big thing as well right is to to that curiosity again that that desire to to learn about something to to you know um like tomorrow i'm going to do in richmond like a taster in philosophy brilliant uh, which is something that i've always been interested in but never gone 
oh, I can just do that. And don't know what happened but in the last few years at some point, someone said to me, oh, you know, like there's a college around the corner that you can just, you could go to and they got a million things on there. You can just dip your toe into and have a look. So yeah, I think that for me is a big step in that I'm going to go and think about something completely different or, you know, learn about something that I have no idea about, um, which is all fuel for whatever, acting, writing, you know, all of it. And that um, is, I mean, I was going to say that's the great thing about London, but uh, I mean, God, we've got the internet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can learn anything you want well, if I mean, you put your mind to it. Yeah, this whole podcast, everything I know about with the podcast is from the internet. Right. Um, and I feel like I'm at a level where I know some stuff. Right. And, you know, it's it's all from that. So the, it's there. We just have to have the, have to look after our talent, like you say, yes. and, and then keep tapping into that drive to to discover things and yeah and and again go back to what doesn't inspire you if if if, if you sitting on your ass uh um not working um um doesn't inspire you then Check, do something about it do the opposite yeah no absolutely because all of us all of us have other people who are like-minded that we trust yeah um whether they just push you, whether they're just like a, a a sounding board to run ideas past, or whether they get involved in what it is you decide you want to do, yeah. Um, you've got you've if you can't do it for yourself, get someone else to to say it to push you along. Yeah. But but it's just so important, and I, I say it doesn't matter how big or how small the beginnings are. As long as it's still moving in the in the right direction, because you're always going to get, you're always going to get the the slack periods where you're just there and you hate the world and you feel the world hates you and <laughs> and there's nothing for it. Yeah, you're always going to get those. Oh, totally. Yeah. But they're going to pass, and when they do, and you regain the chink of light or a sense of, um, okay, let's you know, let's try and get out of this. There is always something that you can do. Yeah. Um, it is a brick wall, but if you look closely, some bricks aren't cemented right. Yeah. There, there is a window, but it's higher than you expected. Yeah. Or there's a grate, but it's lower than you expected. Or turn you, left or right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So it is about that, I yeah. think, always. Cool, man. That's great. I mean, we've we've been yapping for an hour now. It didn't feel like an hour at I all. I didn't have any idea. Yeah, yeah. no. Okay. Um, but but just what if you've got a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You've got a book coming out. I do, yes. Um, so in the tradition of that Ken has started of plugging books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, why not? Uh, I was I, I read his when it was an early, um, uh, in, in, in its infancy, and um, um, was, was grateful to be able to, I mean, I think he gets a huge, obviously gets uh, a huge amount out of, of making actors. Yeah. Um, and... But it was nice just to be able to give him something back. Yeah. A bit of support and encouragement on his book. And, Absolutely, uh, man. Um, and I think it is a brilliant read. I think that um, it's worthwhile getting involved in it. If you need if you need to refocus what you're doing, Yeah, it's a book that you can pick up and, and it really does help. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And if you want, I mean, I wish that book was around before I got into drama school yeah. because it kind of does it really does um melt things down to the to the to the the key yeah uh 
components and 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 allows you to focus and just you made a point in one of your previous podcasts it might have been ken's or one after yeah where you were talking about oh i just lost my thread again <laughs> um uh, it'll come back to me you it was something you were talking about Oh no! I've, sorry. No, it's fine. I I I'm tr- desperately trying to scramble through my brain. Yeah, to, no, to... I know. So so the book um, I've got a new book out called The Big Game. It's um, second in the series, but it's a standalone book. It, it, it's about a guy who is a poker fanatic looking for the biggest game on the planet. Yeah. Um, he doesn't know what that is. He just knows that that's what he wants. Um, and he, he goes all out to get there with a mate of his and ends up in prison because it all goes pear-shaped. <laughs> um, and then writes in prison on speed. Right. Uh, I've never taken drugs. Uh, anyone who knows me knows this. It's weird. But obviously <laughs> hanging around actors, I've witnessed an awful lot. <laughs> Um, so it wasn't difficult to uh, to do the research. Yeah. So it's a fast read. It's um, <laughs> one of those airport pick it up, get it done. It's it's a thriller, crime thriller. Yeah. Uh, called the Big Game, and it comes out uh, at the end of July. End uh, of July, and how can we get that? Is that like Amazon, Amazon? Basically, yeah. You can either get it as a paperback or as a, an ebook. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it, it's it's character based. It's yeah. a character led piece great and and that's also the second in a in a series and you have that's right um hashtag lazarus 10 yeah which was the first one again the theme running is that these are uh tomes written by prisoners yeah in the same prison yeah um the first one uh lazarus came out when did that come out i think it came out november last year yeah and it's a guy who discovers a way of plugging you into the severed dead head cryogenically frozen head uh, of someone who died in a specific way but is able to give you as a trip yeah the last 10 seconds of their life yeah um and then decides to market this to to billionaires and and make a mint and again the wheels come off and he ends up in prison on death row um Jesus. it's done very well i've got some lovely reviews on on amazon for that right um, uh so yeah the big game uh, is is a sequel but it's not the same characters I've got a lot of people now asking me to they want to know what happens oh, right. after Lazarus so I might have to write Lazarus 1.2 yeah rather than uh, book 3 um, no, so, that'd be cool. so we'll see but and you've very kindly given me a couple of these to yes if to, you uh, wish yeah no absolutely I'll, uh, I'll make sure I can I'll dish them out you um, don't have to be a poker fanatic to enjoy the book if you play poker, it might help, but there is a glossary in the back of all sorts of terms. Oh, great. Um, so, um, because it, I, it's, there's quite a sort of closed language. Yeah. Uh, restricted code, I think they yeah, called it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, in there, which is obviously all uh, translated for you. So, you don't really need to be a poker nut to enjoy the book. Okay, cool. Um, well, Andrew, thank you so much. I mean, it, it, it really, hearing your story and your journey and the... the you know where your journey is now continuing through it sounds like it's evolving and changing constantly and that's a a beautiful thing I think and certainly I find it hugely inspiring that you've gone from you know engineer actor writer director you you're doing it all and Ken Ken would argue (laughs) in fact he 
for one Christmas, uh, he, he gave me a book which was that, that you really need to focus on one thing yeah. and become a master of that. And yeah. I've completely gone against that. <laughs> um, um, I I got my acting agent back. Um, she I, I emailed her on an off chance a couple of years ago and she just took me back in a heartbeat and I was thrilled. Yeah. But there's been no work. There's been like four auditions in two years or something. Right, yeah. Um, and that's hard. And... And I, again, I'm all about giving myself permission if the next job is directing, if the next job is paid to be a writer. Yeah. Um, that's what I'll do. Yeah. But in the meantime, I still need to express myself. And so at the moment, writing novels is doing that for me. Yeah. Um, whether or not anybody likes them, I've no idea. And um, uh, it all remains to be seen whether or not it, it's going to work. Yeah. But it works for me in terms of getting me out of myself yeah. and doing something positive for myself. And probably changing other people as well, whether whether or not you know it at this point or not, you know, with your Amazon reviews and stuff like that. People are talking about it, people are commenting about it. Then, yeah, maybe. Then we that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but thank you so much. Are, are there, where can people find your, you know, okay. internet uh, stuff? I'm uh, at Andrew Rajan on Twitter, I've got Andrew Rajan Author, which is my Facebook, mm -hmm. Facebook at Andrew Rajan Author, and andrewrajan.com or.co.uk <laughs> um, is everything. And the books will be on Amazon, but you can find them at my website. But yeah. Thanks for that. No, not at all. Um, uh, yeah, it's .com, andrewrajan.com. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Well, I think it's both, but yeah. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Um, great. Thank you so much. Most welcome, and thank you for inviting me. No problem. Bish, bash, bosh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that was Andrew Rajan what a dude I'm sure you'll agree that the guy is pretty impressive and I love the whole thing about giving yourself permission to be whatever to, do, to just permission to do anything it's, it's uh, not a way I've ever thought about it and I quite like that way of thinking about it so I'm going to steal that way of thinking about it yeah, but seriously, it's it's an interesting idea and it, it definitely is something that resonates with me as I'm sure you can imagine. I quite often have sp t talked about maybe a lack of maybe a lack of self-confidence and not giving myself the permission. I guess maybe I've been using a different word, entitlement, which does which sounds like a kind of gross word, I think. Um it's not, but you know, whatever. But permission, I prefer. I can I can roll with that better. And I think that it makes perfect sense. And it's something that comes up again and again. The same with curiosity. The same with having a reason for doing what you're doing. You know? So if something sparks it... And interestingly... Uh, my thought path changed instantly there. Um, but interestingly, Andrew spoke a lot about uninspiring times and how that was a kind of driving force that, 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 or a weight that pushed him down and wound up a spring that then sprung him into, after one small piece of inspiration from either himself or something else or someone else or a, literally a word that someone says promising that spring gets let go and it's on and I think he's 
pretty fucking cool for doing that. And certainly has had an awesome kind of life. Uh, uh, he certainly has had an awesome life, interesting paths. He's traveled. He's done a million different jobs. He's worked in all areas of the uh, of the industry. What is happening to my voice? Um, which is also, <clears throat> sound like Steve-O, which is, you know, just just amazing. He's He's seen every side of it. He's done every side of it. And he's still... And now he's writing books as well. What the fuck? One of which, but and he talked about that being the ultimate freedom, especially with what we have available to us, what we have available to us now in terms of publishing, self-publishing, and you know, ideas which we have, you know, and and being able to write whatever you want and put it out and see who likes it. It's like this podcast. It's like a podcast, I suppose, in a way. It's ultimate freedom, I think. <clears throat> but anyway, Andrews is writing novels, and he only just gave it to me, so I haven't had a, a a read through that yet. But he's got one coming out at the end of July called The Big Game, and that follows a kind of uh, it's, it's all part of this thing called that that Andrews called the Lake Pen series, um, and I believe he's. And there's going to be another in this series, um, sort of based on memoirs or writings of people from this fictional prison. Um, it sounds really interesting. I'm going to read through the big game. He's given me two copies of these to to give away to you guys, which is awesome. So I'll be doing another book giveaway very soon. I think up some crazy question, some mad question for you guys to answer and whoever has the best answer can have a book woo and he's also got another book called hashtag lazarus 10 which is of the same series um and is right on my street you know sort of sci-fi i guess and cryogenic cry cryogenically cry, 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 cryogenically frozen heads and their last experiments their last uh experiences and the, or the like certain points of their life can be put into your head I shouldn't be saying all this because I haven't read them yet um I've only just received them so I'll be reading this and then I'll give you a better idea of what it's all about but I will be giving two of those books away the new one which isn't even out yet so look out for that um but I j- just again like I feel so blessed to be doing this podcast and to be ble- I can't believe I just said blessed kill me now uh hashtag blessed I feel blessed to be to be doing this and meeting all these people. It really is awesome. And give myself a little pat on the back because I feel good about this. It's, it's something that you know I've created. And I'm just saying this not to blow smoke up my own ass, but to try and get across how good this has been for me. An idea that I had, I was inspired Anyway, you know the the whole story, but I just feel like this has been a great thing for me and is keeping me in a positive place. Anyway, enough about me. You can follow. He said it at the end, but I'll just reiterate. So uh, if you missed it, here's another chance. So you got Andrew Rajan. So it's at Andrew Rajan for Twitter. You've got Andrew Rajan Author on Facebook and make sure you go and check out his website, andrewrajan.com.
com, where you'll find everything about everything that he's doing. The books, the scripts, the films, the bloody everything. It's fascinating. Um, and yeah, he's even sort of suggested some people that I could speak to, which is amazing. I love it when people do that. I love suggestions. So, because uh, I don't know everyone. I'm, I'm trying to sort of scour the internet. I've got, you know, and find people. Um, but you, everyone knows someone who's in, inspired them. So tell me who they are. Write to me, lewis at actinginspired.com. Send me an email. Just say, say this guy's cool. Check him out. And we, we'll see what we can do. Same again, guys. If you're not subscribed, click subscribe on the uh, on the old iTunes there or wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, comment on them. I don't know. It's not like a video. I can't do the fancy like pointing up at the corner thing. How would I do that in sound? I don't know. I do, literally don't know. Um, so you know all that stuff. I I hate pressing about that stuff. I know it sucks, but you know it would be cool. Anyway, I'll shut up now. Andrew Rajan, ladies and gentlemen. What an awesome dude. Go and check him out. AndrewRajan.com. Andrew Rajan, author on Facebook, at Andrew Rajan on Twitter. Um, and that's R-A-J-A-N and A-N-D-R-E-W. Thanks again, guys. What fun this is. And uh, I'll speak to you next week from me little studio, because I'm out of it today. Ooh. I'm in the living room. Anyway, uh, so I'll speak to you next week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Big love. Love you all. And, uh, yeah, see you next time. Bye. Twas a light, gay and easy, whatever may come. Take a trip on the canal if you want to have fun.